and welcome to the Battle Royale podcast. This is episode 19, The Third Man. I'm your host, as always, Edward Jones, and joining me, of course, is my co host, the Professor Mr. Stephen Palmer. I was going to do a whole episode 19, and then I thought no one's going to understand that. So, hello. Okay. <laughs> the whole Paul Hardcastle thing, do you not remember that? No. Ah, okay. Something for you to look at. Okay. <laughs> I know The Simpsons recently did a third man style parody, um, which meant that I had to hear that awful theme tune over and over again. So uh, Now, I'm referencing that Paul Hardcastle's number one single from about 1984, 1985, something like that. Okay. 19, about, about the average age of the American soldier in Vietnam. It was, a, it was one of the first sampled songs of all time. And uh, yeah, when it says 19, I think, no, 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 19, but... Obviously, that means nothing to you, sir. No, because so. I was born in 83, and I had no real concept of what was happening in the popular music charts <laughs> at that time. It's quite, it's quite famous, but yes, probably means more to me than to you. Okay. And then I'm not going to go to me, to you, and do Chuckle Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just to me. <laughs> to you. Well, not no, anymore, is on. it? Not anymore, it's just... One way to one, there's one chuckle brother. Well, there's, two, one. there's two. There's two. There's, there's two, two but the only left. one. Yeah, but the other one wasn't. Yeah. Now you've anyway. finished giving me things to edit out this episode. <laughs> I bet you keep them in. Probably. <laughs> um, so, last episode, we said goodbye to some big players. We had a complete uh, shuffle of the deck, so to speak, and it was quite a moving episode. We said goodbye to Mitsuko. And it's, mm-hmm. it's such a gaping hole this leaves in our lives. I mean, yes, she's a homicidal psychopath with many, many issues. But you kind of miss her not being around. It's kind of like that crazy guy at work. And then when they, like, go sick one day and you think, oh, my God, they oh, they disappeared. It's sort of like, oh, I kind of miss them. And then they come back. You miss her popping up in the bushes. At least twice that happens. Someone in the film, she just sort of turns up and creates havoc. And yeah, and we've also missed the other character, you know, the guy that, that in another universe, it's his film, who's been chasing exactly. after this girl for his whole, for the whole film, for her to shoot him straight away. But we're down, we're down to what, six now? I think we decided. Um, we are down to seven. Seven. Yes, seven. Because um, with... our wild card here with uh, Kiriyama. Course. Yes, so we've got, we got our three, our three, gang of three. We've got the third man and his two buddies, yep. and we've got um, nut, nut Job Boy. Yes, our exchange student. <laughs> Forget their names now. We just... If this is the thing, everyone assumes it's all like, oh, you're doing that, you're breaking down this podcast. It doesn't make it any easier because Japanese is hard. Um, but yeah, we obviously we th- this film really knows how to, you know, stab it in and break it off because we continue with the um Bark's air on a G stream which obviously soundtracked the death of Mitsuko and that whole really tragic scene in the the warehouse. And it's carried across into the latest announcement announcement that we see um to um Takano uh giving here and he's reels off the the names and it's quite a few names that are on that list. Well, I guess it's everyone that died in the in the in the lighthouse. That's true. Um, Froggy, I assume. 
Although that doesn't make no, sense. No, because no, he would Only the girls in the lighthouse, isn't it? And and Mitsuko, the the object of Matey's love, and and, yep. and and the only boy, as he points out. I can't remember his name, but you know the the guy that with the GPS, GPS boy. Um, and yeah, it is, it is quite sad. And again, you know, we've spent, I don't know how long it's taken us to record since the last one, but that does that make sense because I'd assumed that um, Shoya had slept through one of them. He had because we bet um, when he is in the lighthouse and the going through the mm. announcements that he missed, we have the two girls that were best friends who turned on each other. Mm. Which is, as we covered on that episode, uh, um, is covered more in the manga because one of them being nuts and living in that sort of fancy D and D world. Mitsuko oh, kills yeah. the two guys. The again two friends. She turns them against yes. each other using her seductive powers. Not seeing the film covered in the manga so <laughs> plenty to discover there um so his death uh, froggy's death is uh, obviously covered in an earlier announcement this one mm. is just the girls in the lighthouse um and uh mitsuku and, and, the, and the and the, and the, the warehouse. yeah yes but it's, it's one of the biggest kill lists and it does leave us down with literally seven to go yeah and that, I don't know about yourself, but it felt like there was a, an air of slight sadness to Takano when he's reading off this list. I mean, a big name being taken off the list with Mizuku. And the fact that they're now getting down to these sort of final numbers. And everyone everyone in that control room feels tired. I mean, everyone's just tired at this point. And, and he always looks vaguely disinterested in the whole process anyway. And I guess what he's realised is he's going to have to go home to his annoying child and wife. <laughs> 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 I don't know, but he does... Um, there is a weariness, isn't it? We're two days into it. No one's sleeping, really. He's probably run out of cookies. Um, oh, no, he's still got cookies left at this point. He's still got the cookies left. Yeah. But, yes, I can see... I do. I do get that sense that there is a... There is a tiredness, a fatigue. I think is a, is a better word for it. It's a fatigue um, setting in now that is it feels almost physical, and the whole the, everyone on the island feels tired now. Yeah, you, I mean, we've essentially been awake for over twenty four hours at this point, and yeah, you can imagine people are tired. Cause it's not like a lot of people are going to have a chance to really get much sleep on this island because you know you never know who's going to come wandering around no and, and i'm guess yeah i guess i guess who we've got apart from well one guy is obviously a, a the terminator but the other ones <laughs> left are groups of three i suppose so they could they could do some kind of sleeping pattern but that never seems to work does it no i mean obviously with the third man and his uh two they're they're busy you know, plotting their own revolution. Uh, mm. Shuya obviously had his nap because he was in kind of a coma at the lighthouse. Uh, Noriko, she's had her own coma moment. And uh, Kawada, we, well, we assume that he's got some sort of like 10 minute power nap schedule going on. Well, as, as you remember, his, his dad was a uh, power sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> he was. <laughs> um, that skill. But even he looks 
sort of tie because you have Shuya's like basically like saying oh, still determined to like follow his his plan through but you can see that he's really just sort of just barely hanging in there from the few lines that he gets in this chapter because this isn't his chapter at all the real focus right. here is in with obviously um with uh, Shinjo the fed man mm. and I love the fact that we this music it continues across and clearly the director was a fan of Seven because that's what he's shooting this whole scene like. He shoots it exactly the same as the library sequence but if you watch the director's cut this is one of the few moments it actually does a disservice to the original film because he intercuts the sequence with footage of them playing basketball. Not once but twice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now um, when we compare this to the original cut it's just him hammering away on the keyboard and then making bombs and stuff. And you have the cutaways to uh, his little anarchist pack that um, mm. was passed on to his by his uncle. And I really loved that scene because the way he's just like, intently hacking away. And he, he hacks like he's playing basketball, which is just, I'm sure, works in some bizarre way. He's typing with his left hand and he's slamming the return key with his right because that's the dribbling motion. Oh, okay. I hadn't tweaked that because... <sighs> I, I'm, uh, you know, I, I think I think I'm on record. I'm all right with the basketball stuff. I know lots of people aren't. Yeah. But I, I I think it I think it pays off in the end because it shows you some relationships. But I I agree with you. I didn't need to see it once, let alone twice in the sequence because it's enough for me to see Team Third Man working. You know, the the hacker, the bombers. Um, they're a bit inconsistent about what they talk about, but on their, uh, you know, I'd like to see more of them, basically. And um, it's, it's, it's going to be all over a bit quickly now. There's, there's only 20 minutes to go, Elwood. <laughs> it won't feel like it. Don't we have done this? So. In, the, in their time. But, you know, we. I'd like to see more of this over the film's length. Um, I know, I, I I know the third man is like one of a favourite character of yours, and maybe it's because there's the anarchist in you, or maybe it's because they're explored more fully in other bits of the film. I think that's but what it, know, it's he, probably he, what it is. It's just he's a guy who's disrupting the the system. However, well, unlikely... he's the only person with a real plan. He's the only other people have plans to survive, like the the girls in the lighthouse. Are planning just to just put off till tomorrow what you can talk about today, yeah. right? Um, Shoya and Noriko and Matey Boy are they have some kind of plan, I think, which is to survive to the end and then get on a boat, isn't it? Isn't that their plan? I think. Yeah, they're, they're planning to escape by by uh, the plan to find a boat and uh, escape. Yeah, that, that's right. So, whereas the third man not only is has as a plan. He's taking the fight to the man. Yeah. Right? Which, obviously, is a, there's a lot of backstory, a lot of other characters where their parents maybe have taken the fight to the man. But he's the one, you know, he's inspired by his uncle. But he, he's got skills. He's got a special set of skills. <laughs> and he's going to track them down. And he's going to kill them one by one. No. Um, I don't know. I just, I just feel he's the one character that that is... An antagonist in this, or a protagonist even, not wanted to get all tenet about it. Whereas everybody other seems to, everyone else is really a victim or at best a survivor. Um, and I wish there'd just been a bit more of that. Mm. 
Yeah, definitely with his whole plan. I mean, he plans... It's a two-stage attack that he's worked out. That first, he's going to disrupt the system, uh, which we obviously see happening in this episode because he completes his hacker, his hacker program and he launches on the system and everything goes to chaos. All the danger zones are cleared. Everything's going completely to haywire and all these uh, army personnel just wiped around. And it's just a real... I think this is the great uh, Beat Takashi moment. Um, <laughs> because yeah. everyone else is basically um, losing their their shit, and he just like walk, <laughs> Katana just walk, gets up, walks to the fuse box, and just switches it all off, then switches it back on. He's sort of like fix this, and yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that's not how computers work. Although I guess they're going to restore the backup. Yes, yeah. is the is is the idea. Funnily enough, last night. I watched for the first time since it was released Rambo First Blood Part 2. Okay. Don't ask why. Just a random thing. I felt I think I'm going through films that I I haven't watched since they came out. Oh, crikey. That one that would have been on video in about I don't know like 1988 or something I probably saw that. Um the last time and a i was surprised how low when it was but secondly there's that room of computers which in the end <laughs> when rambo's completed the mission he goes and he just unloads all his guns into <laughs> to show his disgust with the reliance of the army on, on on technology and then tonight that just reminded me of that scene <laughs> because yeah the, the third man is just takes over the computer installs his basketball hacking program on it and they're all like falling over and stuff because they don't know what to do (laughs) (laughs) like they're meant to be trained army personnel there's one guy literally falling over because his computer's been hacked (laughs) and you're right peter kashi just gets up turns off the fuse box and says fix it (laughs) And yeah, those two scenes just remind me of you know the that 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 tension between technology and the military, and they were just dealt with in very very different ways there. Yeah, because we can look at this film as homage in two films in particular. Obviously, we have Seven, which is a soundtrack to mm. the Bark sequence, and we have him working away. Same as when we look at um, Morgan Freeman's character as he's working away in the library and assembling all the notes on the Deadly Sins for uh, Mills. Brad Pitt's character in that movie and it's shot it's pretty much exactly the same he's there uh, working away and we have little shots of uh, things relating to his uncle's anarchist beliefs and the cause he was fighting for and then we have the scene where everything's going haywire which is essentially the end of the classic 90s movie Hackers yeah which you should also be noted that one of the tech guys is pen of pen and teller who i didn't realize was such a tech guy until it's pointed out to me by uh lackey over on uh tv go sleep bad he was sort of like yeah he was like this one of the early tech guys he wrote for like pc magazines about you know programming and stuff and i never realized that and it i didn't know that either yeah he's um you look at his resume of the things he's done. He's done a diet book. He was a circus barker. He was a juggler. He's got this whole sort of carny background. He's got all these different uh, sort of uh, unusual skills that he's had. He's even wrote an episode of Black Mirror. He did um, the episode mm. Black Museum, mm. which is phenomenal. He's also a famous libertarian, which is one of those things you don't know whether to support or not. <laughs> Um, like like Ron from, <laughs> from um, 
I can't remember the name of that show. What, Parks, Parks and Rec? Recreation. Like the greatest <laughs> man. What we should all aspire to be in life. Oh, dear. Sh- but yes, no, I didn't know. Hackers, Hackers. I'm trying to remember Hackers. Who else was in Hackers? Hackers was Johnny Lee Miller, um, where he met his soon-to-be oh, wife, Angelina Jolie. And it had yeah. um, Stuart from um, Scream, whose name I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had um, so- a bunch of other sort of like 90s sort of actors that you can never sort of place. Um, it's got one of the villains from Super Mario Brothers as well. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's probably the most 90s experience you could have. Literally a Goomba. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a Goomba. <laughs> yes, that's a fun one to check out. You will hear people now talk about it really nostalgically, but even when I saw it in the 90s, I didn't really get its appeal, but it's sort of somehow hung in there as this like mm. and I think it's because it taps into that whole sort of like hacker culture of like the mid to late 90s where it was all well, like I hackers, and stuff hackers and the one with Robert Redford or oh, sneakers sneakers well, and the OAP version films. yeah there was a whole bunch was Johnny Lee Miller in one of these I yeah that's in hackers yes that's hackers yeah, yeah. um yeah, there's just a uh, yeah, there was just these films, uh, and again, you know, oh God, end of Jurassic Park where the girl goes, "Oh, this is Unix, I know this." And <laughs> the hacking so, scenes are know, pretty the... much on the same level as that. <laughs> that. Yeah, <laughs> as somebody at the time who was working on Unix systems for real, that's always bugged me. But I imagine no more than a, a medical scenes bug any doctor or anything like that. But yes, there was there was this sort of thing that that, that hacking was a, some kind of counterculture thing, although it had been twenty years previously. You know, the, the kind, kind of Hollywood had kind of missed the point that hacking was something <sighs> that was counterculture in the late seventies, not in the mid nineties. And it yeah, was know. basically a lot of sitting around in badly lit rooms, listening to metal and sort of like like the Shaman and Prodigy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and not getting a lot of vitamin D as you pour through code and try to break, you know, things. And it was, it was, it was more the enjoyment of being part of a scene. Uh, mm. but yeah, there was all like, there was all the, it was exciting as well because of the internet was very much in its infancy. So you had things such as sort of like, if you had like, um, the magic whistles from Captain Crunch, you could like hack phones and stuff. Yeah, and was phone like, freaking and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, when you had dialers and stuff like that. I mean, I still love war games. War games is I wouldn't, oh, war games I is still um, something rather special. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a very accurate view of what hacking is. What, but, I think war yeah. games is about as accurate as weird sciences. <laughs> yeah. As much as you want to hammer away on your your Amstrad, it ain't gonna make some hot chick appear. <laughs> <laughs> weird science oh the fucking 80s oh brilliant for music terrible for cinema oh, <laughs> oh you just cheered me up no so, end. Oh. something I didn't also realise because I always thought this was a failed plan but what I, I realised and it comes right at the end of the scene is that the idea was always to knock out the system and the, it was mm. a two-stage attack. They knock out the system, and then they use the bombs that they're putting in the truck to drive and blow up the school. 
Yeah, they bought themselves 15 minutes yeah. to go and... Because I never realised you know, this bo- until, for whatever reason, it just skipped over uh, over me, because it seemed that well, they, think- they, the hack didn't really work, and that they were going out to um, the truck, and because they obviously get ambushed by Kuriyama right at the end of the sequence. Um, so that's the problem, really, because you never really get, unless you're sort of paying close attention, you don't really realise that, oh, there was a second part to this plan. But then it all happened so quickly. Um, again, you know, let's not spoil next episode. But you know, the, the, this first part of the plan implemented successfully. Second bit of the plan, it's all over in a minute and a half. Um, so there's no tension to it. It's just, yay, we're there. Finally, something good's happening from our point of view. I guess we're, we're I guess we're on the kids' side, and um, and then the whole thing's dead in the water and I guess if you're not watching the film chapter by chapter or and you're always watching it as a two hour whole thing I think it'd be quite easy to miss the fact that um, there was a second second part to the plan because it's all over so quickly but I liked I liked I like I like the um, I like the fact that his little hacky thing had a basketball player on the screen as well and yeah. that he could hack the system not knowing what screens were on the other yeah whatever but well, let's not forget that he's called the Fern Man because the kanji at the end of his name is the same one for free. So hence he is the third man. But uh... let's also not forget that he's not only a hacker, he's a superstar basketball player and a ladies' man. And like, and like the last flashback, <laughs> which showed us a character who couldn't do a basket... <laughs> We see that he's better than sure. He's he's yeah. He's everything we we aspire to be: a sportsman, a ladiesman, and a hacker. Yep, a swordsman. <sighs> yeah, a great coxman, no doubt as well. But <laughs> they didn't. Um, none of the girls mentioned that because he was too busy hacking, I suppose. He's too busy st- starting a revolution. He's um, <sighs> indeed. This is the thing. So all, we have a lot of kids here. Uh, um, again, this is if you, depending on which source material you're reading, but a lot of kids here are children of um, the orphans of the government state because they've had parents disappear or parents being harassed by the government, and um, he's the only one who's sort of like there to fight the man. And uh, it's felt that he's been waiting for this moment to sort of step up. He's been indoctrinated by his uncle into being this great revolutionary. And he's got the blasting cap that his uncle gave him for whatever reason. And, um, you know, now it's like finally his chance to step up. He's just seizing the moment. Mm, let's let him have it. Yeah. For, <laughs> for, for the microseconds that it exists. So yeah, um, and and they and, and they they the other thing was obviously he he, he goes to hack and it's like yes I'm in I've implemented it let's go it was very lucky that they'd finished all the all the chemical brewing yeah. and blasting cap crazy at that exact same minute wasn't it because as they said sorry mate we're going to need another six hours <laughs> he does it in such an an interesting way the way they're showing how the bombs are making because we see like the textbooks there and it shows like the chemical mm. compounds and we flash over to the guys and they're, they're mixing things and they're doing they're testing the bomb trigger and you're seeing you're seeing everything coming together in this like real sort of macgyver-esque moment Oh yeah, it's very MacGyver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, apart from there are actual bombs, MacGyver would never make a bomb, would he? He would make some kind of flying suit or something <laughs> that they would be able to get out on. 
but yeah, no, I, I, I say, I think, I think my frustration is, is that it's all going to be over so quickly. Yeah. And you know, it's this, this film's been teasing us with this character for so long, and I'm guessing in the other media again i can't remember it in the book but i'm guessing in the manga there's probably 37 chapters and loads of raping that happens there's a whole car chase <laughs> sequence that i've got to break down next episode all right okay yeah i mean yeah. there's a so completely that's... different death sequence of like kiriyami i've got to do but this is worse than the lighthouse which right. was confusing enough the fact that i've got five five six characters who all pretty much look the same and i'm trying to put this across here in a non-visual medium um mm. which is never easy um uh, but you know we did it. it it's a chapter which is just relies a lot more on performance and directorial ability than anything else and i think it really manages to get across what it needs to do without having to overly explain things and why will you obviously take to point the fact that you're like disappointed it all feels for naught i think this is very much a western idea really that you can't have characters do something and it doesn't amount to anything where uh, when we look at eastern summer it's a little more, more happy to take the realistic thing because you know best laid plans often go astray which has is very much the case here oh for sure but for at sure. least his hack worked his hack did work um it's and he, a, and he gave the second half yeah it's and he gave katana away a katana <laughs> moment really <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, and it was a hilarious moment. And yes, and it's, it's interesting what you say. So this is two thousand. When was um when was seven ninety seven something like that? Ninety five, I want to say. I really? To... Okay, so it's it a while ago. Seven was. I think we keep forgetting mm. how long ago seven was because it's always been part of like the zygotes, really, hasn't it? It so. feels much much more modern than that but yeah so but night no, so yeah it absolutely could have been uh, something that the director yeah. would have the director would have um would have fed off or been influenced by so i, I can i can buy that and and I, I agree with you you know the basketball scenes kind of mess up something and, and it just it feels unnecessary here um i think you could have put them in after that scene <laughs> to show you I don't know, it just didn't have to be intertwined okay. and uh, the only yeah, reason I know that uh, Seven had an influence in Japan is the fact that uh, Chiaki Kiriyama who played uh, Chikasaw mm-hmm. um, said once in an interview she watched she watched Seven five times in the same day okay that's a dark, that's a dark admission isn't it I don't know yeah, I've, so- I've, I've I think I've watched. I think I've watched a few films in that many times when I've like been like in locked up in like isolation or something like when you're really sick. And these are back in the VHS days where the tape rewinds itself and it just True. keeps playing it. True. You're probably you're probably right. I probably have done something like that. But um, and it's a good film. It's a great film. One of one of Fincher's finest. But it's just a, it's quite shocking to think of it as. 25 years old. Everything doesn't feel that it should be as old as it is, so, but you know. No, in, when I just told you about a film I watched that was 35 years old, that's quite frightening. <laughs> <laughs> Blimey. Um, anything else you want to talk about in this one? I, I don't think so. It's one of those chapters that's too brief. Um, and again, oddly cut. Yeah. Um, uh, 
you know, there's been a huge frustration not to talk about what happens in the next 60 seconds because it feels all part of the same movement. Um, and, you know, once again, whoever decided on the cutting up of some, you know, we had that chapter a few episodes ago, which seemed to go on forever and encompass three different movements. This one has got a couple of movements in it. Um, and we've also had chapters which were just the um, announcements, the the roll call. So why has this one got this and half that? I don't know. It it it's, it makes it a very hard episode to talk about. I think because when we get into the next next chapter, obviously when we talk about, um, we've obviously got the explosion, which is a big thing. Mm. We've got the death of Kiriyama, which is a big set piece. So that's why they've decided to put it there. But yeah, it does create this weird jarring moment. So you're right. Yeah, because cause it would have, I think, have been as successful as a chess. If if we can say a DVD chapter is a thing, is an entity that is worth pouring over. Um, yeah, it, it just weird, but I I, I kind of get it. I I don't I don't know. I, I kind of get it. Next next chapter, I'm gonna be more interested in to be honest with you. But it will be very hard not to talk next chapter without referencing this one. Because it's all because I feel it's all part of the same movement. But you know, we're getting there, mate. Forty minutes to go. Twenty minutes to go. Yep, almost there. Almost there. Well, we're not almost there at all. I don't, when I say that, and I know twenty-four chapters included in the end credits. Yeah, so. and I know we're going to be. Um, but but I know at the end of the next chapter where we're going to be, and we're going to be about um, uh, eighteen minutes to go. <laughs> hmm. And we're going to be down to three people left, and it's just like, whoa, that 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 went. Where did they all go? That that time went quickly. So I'm expecting. I suppose you say one's the end credits. This was 19. Next one will be 20. Yes, yeah, so and we've crikey, we've only got four real, well, three real chapters left. Yeah. <sighs> so yeah. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of tonight's episode. Thank you as always for listening. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to listen to us and leave us a review. You can check out our blog, which is asiansimmerfilmclub.wordpress.com, which has got our complete archive of episodes, including our main show, the Asian Cinema Film Club, which every episode, uh, myself and Stephen take turns to pick a film to to look at and discuss. Uh, we are also on Facebook, we are on Twitter, and we are on Instagram. Our Facebook group, as we always say, is a really great place to hang out. We have some great conversations and fun news articles going up there daily. So uh, make sure to check that out as well. But um, make sure you join us next time for The Explosion, where we'll be looking at Kiriyama and his Sephiroth moment. But until then, good night. Good night.